Hello again and welcome to The Whole Life. I'm Paul Woolley. On my own today without Grace, who can't be with us, I'm afraid. But today we're talking about beauty and justice. Well, it's good to be back. And like a good cheese and wine, we've got a great pairing of subjects today and two brilliant guests to help us. On one level, we might think that beauty and justice have little, if anything, to do with each other. But if we think about it more deeply, maybe they're two sides of the same coin. Is it possible to have beauty without justice or indeed justice without beauty? What is beauty? What is justice? How does the Christian story help us think about these things? And how can we create a more beautiful and just world, whoever we are and wherever we are? Well, to explore these questions, we are joined by two guests today, Makoto Fujimura, an artist, and Heijin Shim, a lawyer. Makoto is one of the leading figures of the slow art movement. We'll be hearing a little bit more about that later, as well as being a leading contemporary painter. He is also an arts advocate, a writer, and a speaker who is recognized worldwide as a cultural influencer. He is an author, an author of Art and Faith, A Theology of Making. It was published by Yale University Press in 2021. Heijin is managing partner of Shim Associates. She has extensive experience litigating various lawsuits in both federal and state courts in the US. She has served on numerous boards and is a frequent speaker. Mako and Heijin are married to each other. Mako and Hagen, thank you so much for joining us on The Whole Life today. It's great to see you. Where are you speaking to us from? We are in uh, uh, Princeton Studio in New Jersey in America, and uh, um, this is where we live and work. And so what we can see in the background there for those who are viewing this podcast are uh, paintings, your work? Correct. And uh, so everything I do is comes flows out of the studio and um, we get to talk about that issue of beauty and justice here as well. We're wearing Ember's uh, international t-shirt, which is Hedgen's organization. Uh, but uh, as, as you will see, we'll, uh, those two are connected. Amazing. And I referenced your book in my introduction. Here it is. Here's my copy here. I have to say, I have never seen a book that has commendations by Rome Williams, Martin Scorsese, and Marisol Fulf, and uh, afforded by Tom Wright. That is a remarkable feat. How did you do that? I have no idea. These uh, sojourners, um, really, along the way, I've gotten to know each one of these amazing people and um, we were very fortunate to uh, be, be able to converse with them about the subject uh, as an artist um, you know speaking to theologians and filmmakers and um, and so it's, it's a collected wisdom I would say. That's incredible. Um, let's start with definition. Highly... Go on Hajin. Yeah. Oh no I highly recommend that um, the forward is yes. a must read yeah. By Tom yeah. Wright, it's worth the price of the book. Yes, it is. so there make sure go. that you read the forward. There's there's an endorsement uh, for us. Um, let's start with definitions, if we may, around beauty and justice. What exactly is beauty? What exactly mm -hmm. is justice? How would you respond to that question, the pair of you? Well, it's a it's a really good 
question, Paul. And um, I have written several books. One is actually called uh, Silence and Beauty. Um, and e even in my earlier work, I try to define beauty in some way. And I was so unsatisfied. Um, I had to write several books to figure out that it's, uh, beauty is a very difficult term to define. But beauty is somewhat easier to talk about um, as experience. Um, you can talk about beauty or on beauty uh, easier than you can define it. The way I approach it, uh, because of my background, um, I was born in the United States, but spent considerable time in Japan, is to look at Japanese aesthetics. And rather than just uh, try to define it in terms of Western um, history and aesthetics, uh, I use Japanese uh, Japanese way of understanding beauty, which is through sacrifice. Um, they connect beauty directly with death and sacrifice. So that I speak about that um, often when I give an artist talk or uh, ask to present on beauty. Um, and I, I believe it's um, a subject that is ongoing. It, it's, it's, it opens up the more you uh, try to uh, talk about it and address it. Yeah, thank you. We'll get into that, if we may, in a moment. Uh, Heijin, what about justice uh, by contrast? How, how would you define that? If we think about the times that we talk about justice in our own life or in the media, it's always when there is no justice. We look at a, a, a situation or places or people who are experiencing injustice, and then we start talking about then we need to pursue justice for them. So in a way, we have really... Um, never experienced the just world that we are all uh, imagining and envisioning that we want to have. So yeah. when we look at uh, injustice, we can recognize it. Someone is being oppressed. There is a violence. There is a unfairness. Uh, there is a violation of rules and laws. Um, and then what happens is the people are uh, damaged, destroyed. Uh, things are taken away from them whether that's certain right or property or liberty. So um, when we look at the world that is so full of un, uh, injustice, that is unjust, we have to think about then what is the kind of justice that we want? Mm. Because the definition of justice can be so different in yeah. different contexts and different culture, but we all wanna see the entire world being just not just for me, but for others, because justice is about relationship at the end of the day. What is our relationship with one another to the world? And in the midst of all of that, what we want to see is something that is harmonious, mm -hmm. where everyone is lifted up and there is a sense of fairness. So yeah. as Christians, um, we can look at the Bible where God talks about justice and righteousness a lot. And he calls himself as God of justice and God of righteousness. And so those two words are mishpah and zedekah, restorative justice. And um, ultimately, it's a state. It's a, a, a world where all relationships 
are not only just fair with one another, but flourishing with one another. So justice is a lot broader than just making wrong right, but it's about making all relationships to a state of flourishing. That's so interesting. Um, there, you've, I mean, a couple of things really strike me there. One is that you've talked away about the way that justice transcends uh, ethnic uh, uh, na- background, um, if you like, tribal backgrounds. Um, so within this conversation, we're we're coming from US, Japanese, Korean, and British perspectives, but we're saying there's something here that transcends all of those backgrounds. The other thing that I think is so striking about what you've said is you've said that the absence of justice, and maybe the same applies to beauty as well, Mm -hmm. uh, reveals to us the need for it. So where we're in a context where there is injustice or a lack of beauty, perhaps that helps us understand not only the desirability of, but the necessity for um, the opposite of those things, Mm i.e. justice and beauty. Um, That's so interesting. Um, Let's talk then about the connection with the Christian story and how you frame both beauty and justice within that. Um, If we would start, um, I guess, with act one of the story. So God creates a world that is very good. I guess we could, um, by implication, recognize that the world was beautiful and it was also just if it was very good. Um, But then, of course, in act two, creation rebels, all goes wrong. And then in act three, God invites human beings to join him in the reconciliation and renewal of all things is that is that right is is that how you see things um are you seeking to return to something that was lost or or something more than that how do you frame what you do within the biblical story yeah and that is uh the question that connects beauty and justice um as you know uh, beauty and justice transcends um cross-cultural boundaries and we always find that this conversation, even though in Western mind, it's, it's, it's a different category. Uh, you know, you talk about beauty, you try to define it, and you talk about justice, and you try to define that. But we, we found that collectively, if what I do as an artist, let's say in, um, in the New York gallery scene, to present beauty, <clears throat> I always think that if that beauty is not somehow impacting the darkest corners of the world, my work has not been um, fulfilled. So mm-hmm. to think about all that is dark and broken and fractured and and polarized um, today and and to think about the effect of both beauty and justice, um, you really have to have a comprehensive story that takes the whole, um, not just the fixing part, the, you know, what uh, tends to be uh, the, you know, uh, the, the, the repentance into righteousness, let's say, you know, a, a commitment to, um, to follow God. Um, but we need to, go back to the story of creation, as you noted, uh, where beauty and justice actually was not just the element of creation, but it is the source of creation. Yeah, right. So I always say God is not just the source of beauty, but God is beauty. Yeah. 
So when we realize creation was in itself embedded with this extraordinary love um, that that surpasses our understanding, created in beauty and justice and flourishing, and then of course the fall um, took that away from um, at least our uh, experience and brokenness came in. And we what we tend to do in Christian uh, theology is is to say, well, Jesus came and fixed that. So, yeah. you know, the this idea of going to heaven, uh, somewhat escaping or perhaps going back to Eden um, is a prominent message in 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 preaching and so forth. What I argue in our plus faith theology of making is that, as Tom Wright or uh, Bishop M.T. Wright has said <clears throat> so convincingly, that the Christian gospel is the entire story. It's 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 creation to new creation. In Christ, we are a new creation, and therefore, whenever we enter into this story, and we um, we are given by grace, this gift of grace, of salvation, we are already a new creation. So what you and I do today to create anything, whether it be paintings or podcasts or or, or making a meal, um, is in part already part of new creation. Now, what does that mean for beauty and justice? That's something that needs a little bit of unpacking. But essentially what we're saying is that beauty, both beauty and justice, has a realm of splendor and realm of transcendence that we don't even understand, uh, that, that we haven't fully experienced yet. When we see the fractures and when we see the brokenness, we know we have a longing for it, right? Yeah. And, and so we long for that wholeness. We long for that um, uh, place where it's all integrated. And, and yet we know we're not there yet. So yeah. that longing for me is the impetus of art. Everything I do is to create a portal for people to even amplify that feeling of, of um, being exiles in strange land. And, and we, we are ushered into a place. And when we have that, we long for justice, right? So beauty calls justice in. And justice is actually part of the, let's say, a painting for, for this wholeness of flourishing. Yeah, that's so helpful. Um, I think this uh, emphasis on locating beauty into God, as it were, is so helpful. I think we've often got into trouble, um, certainly in the West, when we've tried to dislocate beauty and truth and and reality and meaning um, from God. We've tried to separate those things. Whereas if we say all of those things exist in God, um, so God is beauty and truth and reality and, and all these mm-hmm. things, um, God becomes, I mean, even bigger and better than we imagined him to be in the first place. (laughs) But then the second thing that I'm so struck by in the conversation so far is that there are times where I'm kind of um, thinking, oh, are we talking about justice or beauty? Um, And there's a sort of sense that they are interchangeable. So if we thought Mm -hmm. we were coming into this conversation to talk about separate things, it sort of sounds as if we're talking about the same thing. So the idea that they might be two sides of the same coin 
could be true. Mm-hmm. Heijin, is that how you would see things as a lawyer? Absolutely. Um, you know, people ask me, why are you a justice advocate? You know, whether as a lawyer or as a, a CEO of Embers International, I don't seek justice for the sake of justice. And then that shocks people. They're like, what? <laughs> I thought you are a justice advocate. Then, yeah. then what are you yeah. going after? I seek justice because I want to see beauty at the end of that journey and throughout that journey. And this is how. We had, um, so Embers International is the anti-trafficking organization that we work with women and children who are trapped into uh, sex trafficking, into the brothels. And um, our work really focuses on intergenerational empowerment of uh, bringing mother and the children who are born into brothels out of that place, out of um, out from intergenerational exploitation into intergenerational freedom and empowerment. So um, uh, our friend, and there are uh, quite a number of anti-trafficking organizations doing great work uh, all over the world. And one of our friends um, was able to rescue um, this teenage girl who's been trafficked for for a few years uh, from a brothel in South Asia. And for someone like her, who are so traumatized, uh, so betrayed, um, so by her, someone that's very close to her, at such a young age, um, it's a really hard situation. And when she was rescued, um, the rescue team asked her this impossible question. Now that you're free, what do you want? Mm. And one, it's an impossible question because uh, in that society, um, a child, and especially a girl child, is never encouraged to think about what she wants, her wishes, her desires. And two, it's an impossible question because she's a trauma victim. For her to think about herself uh, and not without really understanding what's going to happen to her is a really impossible thing. But I think by God's grace, she had an answer for us. And this is, I think, something that uh, we hold on to. What do you want to that question? This little girl said, I want to be beautiful again. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Because of injustice that is done to her, the beauty that God created in her was taken away mm. and that was destroyed. And now she has a desire to be beautiful again. And she is very fortunate because she's able to see and remember the beauty that she had before. Mm. But if you think about her life, is it even possible to be beautiful again in a sense that she was beautiful before? Because the Mm. scars, Mm. the wounds, the trauma that she had experienced cannot be erased from her life. She will always have that. It can be healed, right? She can be restored and renewed, of course. But that experience, that past will always remain. And those scars, those memories need to be not erased because that's not possible. But it has to be created into something even more beautiful. That's the only way that she can really feel she's beautiful again. 
So all these、uh, moments of injustice can be an opportunity to create something new out of it because it's the only way of true mending.、Mm-hmm. Now,、yeah. if we think about those,、uh, the the story of the Bible, the creation fall and redemption, and there will be Israel, Jesus, and the church, and then new creation at the end. I find it so curious,、mm-hmm. and in a way, extremely. Um, I think uh, uh, grateful to think that God didn't call us back into the Eden after Jesus's resurrection,、mm. but instead He promised that He's gonna bring His kingdom, the new creation, new Jerusalem, into where we are,、mm. and、mm-hmm. God is gonna live amongst us.、Mm-hmm. And it's not just the Eden, but we're gonna have a city. Full of people and full of riches of the world, full of glory, full of beauty. So why is it that we didn't go? We did. We are not called back to Eden, you know, to where before the trauma and injustice happened. But we are going forward、mm-hmm. to a place、mm-hmm. of a beauty that is actually、uh, unimaginable, almost the extravagant beauty.、Mm-hmm. So I think journey of justice is the same. I want to see that beauty restored and transformed, but not to a place of before the injustice, because that is not possible. But towards the new beauty、mm-hmm. and new、yeah. imagination. So, in that way, the journey of of seeking justice cannot be done without beauty,、mm-hmm. and and it's not just the end result of this new beauty or、uh, restored. Uh, and beyond our imagination, kind of beauty. It's also along the journey of justice, seeking justice. We need to have beauty,、mm-hmm. because it's a hard work. Yeah, it's yeah. a dark place. You're bringing the darkness out of into the light of Jesus, the beauty out of ashes, and that journey takes a long time. And、yeah. throughout that journey, unless we have Beauty created every moment. That joy and that hope, we won't be able to persevere. Yeah, that is、uh, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And it's、um, redemptive, isn't it? I think、uh, we go from the garden to the garden city, but also as you were speaking, Hajen, I was thinking about the scene in the book of Revelation where、uh, Christ, who is triumphant,、mm-hmm. nonetheless still bears the scars. He still、Absolutely. bears the wounds, and there's a sense in which、um, that speaks of、um, not going back, but if you like, going through, and and、yes. making things new.、Um, the 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 lion of the tr- of, of of Judah is the slaughtered lamb. It's it's a paradox,、yes. isn't it? Isn't it? But it's there, right at the center of that vision of new creation、yes. and the renewal of all、yes. things.、Um, yes. It's a remarkable a remarkable thing. Um, isn't it? When you think about your disciplines, so as an artist and then as a lawyer,、um, very practically, how do you see different aspects of the Christian story playing through that? So, for example,、mm-hmm. Mako,、um, one of the the the, the、um, practices that you engage in, I'd love you to talk with、mm-hmm. us. Is this、um, practice? Is it kuntsugi?、Uh, 
which possibly speaks of brokenness and redemption. I I wonder if you could speak a bit about that, but then also, Heijin, whether you have something within uh, your area of, of focus within the law that similarly points to something significant within the Christian story. Absolutely. Um, so the context for both of that um, is by, by his wounds, we are healed. Uh, Isaiah passage, which points to Christ's wound being the portal into new creation. Uh, this is an astonishing reality that we don't often speak about, you know, that, that Easter is not the end, but the beginning of new creation ushered in through Christ's wounds. So the city of God, the garden city that you're speaking about, is literally uh, uh, created through those wounds. Uh, and, and so it's, it's a natural question to ask, okay, so I can see Jesus' wounds matter for me and for us, for our salvation. But then when you extend that metaphor, what about our wounds? What about what happens on this side of eternity, which is flawed and broken and pulverized? What happens to that? So kintsugi, the ancient practice of mending broken teaware, important teaware is often held and beheld for several generations before it's given to a urushi master, Japan lacquer master, to mend, not to fix, but to mend with gold and urushi to be made new. So the resulting kintsugi bowl, uh, teaware that's used again in tea ceremonies, is more valuable than the original because it has been through two masters. This metaphor is very helpful to all of us thinking about beauty and justice. And what I do as an artist actually is to bring in pulverized minerals. This is the ancient um, technique that Japanese artisans have used since 8th century and on. Um, Pulverized minerals such as um, aracite, azurite, cinnabar, and so forth, mixed into hide glue and layered over and over. So the work you see behind me is over 200 layers of minerals. Incredible. What that does is create, creates this prismatic refractive surface. So it's not just color, uh, what you see on the screen here, but if you were to stand in front of my paintings, eventually this prismatic light you will be able to see with your own eyes. What that, what that light signifies is that this is a uh, light that has gone through broken prisms, thousands of little prisms that resides on the surface and creates this depth of meaning and reminds our brains, actually, when we see it, that there is something more to beauty than surface. Uh, there's this depth of brokenness, which actually points to the portal that I was speaking of through Christ's wounds, right? So, and my journey has been to discover that that reality extends to my vulnerabilities, my weakness. We are made perfect, right, in, in, in weakness. So 
What does that mean? This is a profound reality for everyday life. What if what we are, you know, we have failed to do, or what we have, we have, um, we have broken ourselves. So you know, we have um, done things that are against God's ways, and of course, we don't want to glorify that reality. Um, you know, but. What if God has a way of looking at our wounds and our traumas, some, some of them intentional you know, by us, some of them not, um, that makes sense in light of the new creation in a different way than an industrial perfectionism allows us to see it, right? So, so instead of, a, you know, you drop an iPhone and, you know, you want to fix it to make, make it look like it has never been dropped before, well, what if God's way of mending is different? That that God would rather prefer to go through the pulverization process, the, the, the brokenness, and create something new out of it, something more beautiful, something that has been through, you know, uh, redemption and new creation. And and if that's the case. Then everything changes. What, what, how yeah. we see our lives, how we, how we speak to each other, how we create, um, becomes all about that. And that's why I say that beauty is not complete until justice arrives, right? And and Hedgen says justice is not complete until beauty yeah. is fulfilled. And and that makes sense in light of uh, the reality of Christ's wounds. That speaks so powerfully, doesn't it, of resurrection and new creation? That in the hands of the the great master, uh, we yes. are we're we're kind of we're not only restored, but we're we're we're, we're there's something more going on than that. And and maybe yeah. often I've reflected on what 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 does resurrection look like? I mean, what do our resurrection bodies look like? They they're kind of they're obviously similar, but they're also different. And it's not going back yeah. to when I was 25, um, right. uh, it's even right. better than that, which is amazing. Uh, Heijin, what about you in terms of the, the same reflection or the same question, but then reflecting on particularly your practice of law? How do you think that through? So there's a couple things maybe um, I, can, I can share in this context. Uh, the number one is law, um, simply put, is all about relationship. So if you think about any type of law that you are familiar with, business law, relationship between businesses, family law, uh, uh, even like cyberspace law, um, matrimonial law, all of those laws, uh, they are uh, in existence because it helps us have a, a right relationship with one another. And I think about that a lot because the God that we worship, that we serve, we love, is a, actually a triune God. This God is in constant relationship with one another. And in their relationship, I believe they have accomplished the sedaka that we long for, that right relationship where people or the beings in relation to one another are all flourishing and they are empowering one another, encouraging one another all the time. 
And I think when God created us in His image, I think He would, who I think wanted to wanted us to have that kind of relationship that He has with one another in 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 this triune God. So when I serve my clients, whether you know through my law firm Shimano Associates or through Embers, I think about who are the relationships that is involved in this situation, in this case. And in this program, mm-hmm. and consider all the relationships that may be um, direct, indirect, and peripheral, and consider how they can all be in the harmonious relationship with one another. Because I believe in extravagant God, mm-hmm. and this God does not—it's uh, not a tra- transactional God. Mm-hmm. It's a God of abundance. Yeah. That this God will not. Uh, bless one person at the expense of another. Mm-hmm. When he enters into a relationship, he's going to do this to us, perhaps a paradoxical thing, mm-hmm. uh, this mysterious thing where it's not have, one having uh, one more, it's not another person having one less. But one plus one becomes kind of infinite. Mm-hmm. So I try to create um, business opportunities or resolution of a dispute where can we bring this as much as possible? I mean, there's I can't really bring it to the new creation level, but as much mm-hmm. as possible from, with that mindset, mm-hmm. a resolution and opportunities that is a blessing to mm-hmm. many more mm-hmm. than what is immediate to us. So um, just a reminder of what Sadaka really means uh, in my daily practice. And then another one is um, I remind our, our team, my team always that they are makers because when they come in, um, whether it's, uh, again, business opportunities or a lot of times resolution or restoration of a client that has been um, exploited, we uh, are called to be that kintsuki maker mm. of that fracture. Mm. What that means is that God created this world and he has invited us to be a co-creator with him. And that's a, just an incredible honor. Mm. God shows up through God's people. Mm. So we get to be that co-creator with God mm. to be part of that mending into something more beautiful and more valuable. And that is just an incredible way of looking at our vocation. And whatever you are doing, you are a co-creator with God. That's, um, that's incredibly empowering, isn't it? And, and affirming that suddenly our work is, um, is given great dignity um, yes. if, if we're really invited to join in the great project of the reconciliation and renewal of all things. Do you have examples, either of you, of people in the Christian story who inspire you? I guess we could think of God as a great artist and even as a great lawyer, um, certainly a lawgiver. And then there's people like um, Bezalel in Exodus 31, who's filled mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the spirit of God to make artistic designs and engage in all kinds of crafts. Are there personalities that you're drawn to in scripture that inspire you? Absolutely, Bezalel and Horia, uh, Exodus thirty-one uh, is 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 a remarkable passage because it's the first 
note that anybody has been filled with the spirit are these two artists, you know, and and they're the they're dedicating their lives to uh, bring the temple nomadic as that that may have been uh, the Ark of the Covenant, which is um, the same materials, by the way, um, gold and acacia wood. Wood is what makes paper uh, that I use, um, you know and minerals that were later used in Solomon's temple and so forth. Uh, the biblical materials uh, inspire me because of I happen to use the same type of materials to create this broken splendor that um, you, know, you can literally feel through, through your eyes. And um, you know, part of what's amazing about this reality that what Hedgen was saying <clears throat> is that God actually does not act until we create. What I mean by that is, you know, when you take the Eucharist, right, it's bread and wine that Jesus said, I will institute the, you know, new, new body, you know, new temple on this side of eternity. And you are to remember my broken body and my my sacrifice for you. Um, well, when you think about bread and wine, there are two things that are actually hard to make, right? I mean, so many of us tried to make bread during the pandemic. Hard to make well. <laughs> hard to make well. Yeah, yes, right? I did. I did. And, I've stopped and, now. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> not not wine, wine. I is, should have done that. Really. Wine is, yeah, wine is generational commitment, right? And you can't just grow vine overnight. So yeah. you have to you have to you know nurture it for generations. So think of how many hours that go into uh, a single bread and single wine, right? And and when you when you realize that, you say, wait. So God waits until we make to show up, <laughs> yeah. and the answer is yes. And somehow in this mystery of new creation, the uh, post-resurrection journey, Jesus invites us into the new creation. And Jesus says, Here, here's my wounds. I'm going to take yours and like a Kintsugi master will create something new out of it. But you have to be <laughs> the first person to move in, in that direction. So your faith matters. What you do matter today, what you say, how you speak to the homeless, that is the material of new creation. And, and we don't, many of us Christians, we don't realize like this day was given to us by grace so that we can do the things that only we can do on this side of eternity, which is to share the good news of the gospel, give mercy and pour uh, you bring justice into uh, reality uh, where there's darkness um, and and also to create beauty, right? Th those things we can only do on this side. I, we will always be creators, I believe. And uh, But, you know, we, we get to work with what is broken. Uh, we get to do that uh, with a mindset of creating something new only on this side of eternity. Mm. So I feel like, as you say, this is absolutely empowering. Um, but God pushes that agency upon us <laughs> to create 
so that God can do God's work. Yeah, the ordinary really is spectacular. And what we do in the mm -hmm. present matters in the future, which is an extraordinary Absolutely. idea. Hey, Jim, what about yeah. you in terms of personalities in scripture and the big story? Are there any that you're drawn to, uh, particularly as yeah. a lawyer? And you think, oh, that, that, that's, a good, that's a good role model or um, that's someone who I'm attracted to? I don't know if you heard the name uh, in the Bible. Um, I think his name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> and yeah, that's I a mean, good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the reason why I say that is because um, Jesus is actually is the model advocate. Yeah. He and is the artist. <laughs> and the artist. It's like the, the, the best justice advocate. Um, yeah. and, uh, and the reason why I bring him up is uh, it's, not because I want to have a, a give you an easy answer, but because sometimes people ask me this. So um, I'm trained as a, a litigator. So I go to court all the time. I've litigated over uh, 500 cases in my 20 years experience. And so people um, who uh, don't quite understand this this work of justice or, or legal practice often ask me, uh, well, since you're a litigator, um, you must be really aggressive in court. And, and I tell them that actually to be a great litigator, some litigators are aggressive and there are times for that, I'm sure. But to be a great litigator, you actually need to have a lot of grace, not aggression. And the reason why um, the grace is required is because we are to stand our ground and be assertive, to argue our position on behalf of our client without being thrown off, being angered by the attack by the other side, right? So or do you have enough grace and security and confidence that you're not going to be uh, uh, just... Um, Reaction. Yeah, have a reaction against mm -hmm. the counterparty's aggression. Can you take that and be still uh, assertive and speak your mind? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, it's not the loud person that people listen to. It's actually a soft-spoken person that you have to listen mm -hmm. to, right? So I think Jesus really showed that, mm -hmm. right? There are moments that he had a holy anger. Mm -hmm. But most, a lot of times what he did was he was assertive. He never compromised. Mm -hmm. He always said, I am the son of God. Mm -hmm. And even when people misunderstood him, people were angry at him, he said, I am mm -hmm. the son of God. Mm -hmm. However, he has so much grace to be able to present his case and be so persuasive. Mm -hmm. People may not want to believe him, but he was able to do that and be an advocate. So um, Jesus is like a perfect model to be yeah. an advocate. But also, um, but also I love Moses. Moses is, is my bud because <laughs> <laughs> he, he, because the reason why Moses is so incredible is that he knew his own fractures Yeah, and he had to take so much time. He had, this time of beholding mm -hmm. of his, mm -hmm. his own fractures, the fractures of his people. Mm -hmm. And during that time, um, I think he really uh, became this Kintsuki, mm -hmm. you know, more beautiful and more valuable.
but um, he didn't rush into the healing process. He took his time. And um, it's not easy. But because of that, he was able to become the kind of leader that brought his people out of Egypt. So, um, but I think for someone like Moses, and I, you know, I know we have some of them around us, right? Throughout mm-hmm. history, in our own community, uh, Moses really needs friends mm-hmm. to hold his arms, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to counsel him, to love on him, mm-hmm. to encourage him. So mm-hmm. if yeah. you know any Moses in your life, I'll be a <laughs> friend. friend them. Brilliant. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a brilliant answer. And um, certainly with Jesus, you anticipated the question that I was going to ask you both about the extent to which mm-hmm. we see beauty and justice central in the life and the ministry of Jesus. I definitely would be more intimidated by a very thoughtful, questioning, focused lawyer than someone who stamps <laughs> up and down and is theatrical, um, whilst recognising that there are those moments uh, where, um, you know, Jesus loses it uh, in a way that is, yeah. you know, clearly um, uh, kind of appropriate and is is directed. I mean, not least in the temple we, we think about, don't we? Um, mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. Um, uh, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not an artist. And there are lots of us who are like that. The danger with this sort of conversation is we can think, well, yeah. uh, beauty is for the artist. Even if we've been persuaded that beauty and justice are two sides of the same coin, uh, we might say, well, beauty is for the artist and, okay, also the lawyer. Um, and, and law is definitely for the lawyer. But, you know, how can I, um, where I am in, in, in my area, um, in my little part of the world, how can I create a more just and beautiful world? Um, how, how would you respond to that question? <laughs> yeah, I, <clears throat> I think about what Van Gogh said about Jesus, and he said Jesus is the greater, great, greatest artist because instead of using paint and chisels, um, he, he, he formed human beings right, in, yeah. into this masterpiece yeah. of God. And in, in a sense, that's what we're doing uh, as a church is that we're in this collective journey into new creation together. And each person has a distinct and, and essential role in that as a body of Christ. And when, when we think about going back to our conversation about imperfections and brokenness, when we think about the new creation, it cannot happen, not only cannot happen without us being involved somehow, right? God chooses not to do that. God can, but, you know, chooses not to. And it is through our brokenness, somehow this new Kintsugi reality comes, comes, comes to, to forefront. Um, then how much are we missing by not looking at each other with, with the love of Christ, not sharing that love of Christ in a way that welcomes even the the part of ourselves that we are ashamed to admit, right? And, and if the church can become a place where when you enter the church, just like in a Kintsugi session, right? When you bring in your broken parts, broken toys, broken anything that's meaningful to you, you bring it in and you don't say, oh, we are going to super glue it back together to make it back 
you know, into, you know, in, into what it, you, at least looks like what it, it's new. But you say, wow, you know, how beautiful is this piece? Let's just look at it for a while because this piece, when you look at it, it's not only beautiful, but it, it, it's, it generates into something new, right? So, so the fragment itself is valuable. Your, your broken piece, my broken piece. And then we can think about collectively how, how that is welcomed into a community that nothing is, is not the material that God can man to make new, right? Having a collective community like that will absolutely transform the world. The world will be flocking to that church because we have been taught the other way, this industrial perfection, this utility and pragmatism that says you must perform, you must perform, wear a mask, be stoic, you know, just just show up and, and do your work, right? But But the church ought to be a place where you lay down your mask. And when you welcome people just as they are, and you see and you can name the fragments and say, Wow, let's let's behold this because this is beautiful. Let's behold this together. Um, so every single person, we were all created to be creative, right? So it doesn't matter who you are. Um, you have this been given this agency to speak into the world, create into the world, walk into the uh, a room, um, and we often think of this performative anxiety in doing that. But we need to all do our work to create a safe space, first of all, where justice can reign, where there are people available to resource that person toward the journey of new creation. Um, so it, and, and it, it, will, it will remind us somewhat of you know, every single one of us, like, uh, we need a play date. We, we, we need a kindergarten room where we can just color for no reason, right? Yeah. We, we need those um, places where we can just sing together. We can just, so th- these communities where we can just have soup and bread, you know, together. Um, those are not difficult things, but it is made difficult by uh, the assumption of perfection, certainly, like I have to do it right, <laughs> you know, I have to do it well, I have to do. Um, so as an artist, I always um, try to show that what I do is actually very much something anybody can do, except that I have cultivated in the last 50 years of my life um, that is um you know, hopefully refined that that can be an offering to God. Um, I, I seek excellence because of that. I, I I want to refine what I can do, my slice of expression, so that I you know that that can be uh, communicated well. But it is not something that is alien. Um, mm-hmm. No, no is uh, justice something um, that is uh, only a lawyer can do. Yeah, I guess I was going to say I might not be a lawyer, but in my area, I can seek to work for 
um, an organization, a culture, a community that is a bit more just and uh, as well as a bit more beautiful. Yes. Is that right, Hagen? Yeah. Yeah, and I think also, um, you know, when when actually we are when we first met, one of the first thing Marco told me is that I think everyone is an artist, and I said, "Oh, is that so?" Because I think everyone is called to be an advocate. So uh, I think we are both actually, yeah, actually yeah. because um, again, going back to how God um, teaches us what justice and righteousness is. If we are, um, if we believe and understand mishpah and zedakah and seek the world where all relationships are flourishing, therefore there is sense of justice, then whatever you are doing, whether you're a lawyer or a pastor or artist and beyond, you your work always involves some kind of relationship. And with what you are doing, uh, are you seeking to bring that flourishing into these relationships? And I believe that uh, what you are doing, as an example, manufacturing telephone, uh, and if you are in a business of doing that, that is going to have an impact on the poor in another side of the uh, of the world. What what and and but the thing is, we we are so trained to I think think immediate. And within the boundary of your own kind of task that um, we forget to think about the larger view of why we are doing what we are doing and how we are doing hmm. what we are doing. And those why and how question need to be um, uh, framed within the context of this Seraka, this just world. And you can be an advocate to actually seek that, that justice advocate, even if you don't actually go and rescue a child from a brothel directly. And it will matter because God is God of the universe. And all those parts, the body of Christ, will work together to bring this glimpses of new creation into this side of eternity. Mm. And as you are doing that, you also think about this beauty, the, the, one of, the first story that I shared, mm. is this going to lead to helping someone becoming beautiful again? Mm. That's so interesting. Thank you. And it takes us back, doesn't it, to love of God and neighbor and the fact that whoever I am, wherever I am, that is what I'm called to. Um, mm -hmm. And I think as you were speaking I and throughout the conversation, I was thinking that the the theme that, that links all of these things is advocacy, isn't it? That you, whether you are an artist or whether you're a lawyer or whatever you are, we, we, we are called to be advocates. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we do that through love of God and neighbor. And then also the fact mm -hmm. that in the person of Jesus, uh, we see someone who is full of grace and truth, who is justice embodied. If we mm -hmm. want to see what justice and right relationships look like, uh, we look at the person of Jesus, and that is mm -hmm. and was hugely attractive. Um, and similarly, I think if you were to say, who is the most beautiful person in the world? If we understand that as you have framed it in terms of the quality of relationships, both with other human beings, but also ultimately with our creator, with our father. Mm -hmm. um, the most beautiful person in the world is the person of Christ. Um, uh, perhaps if we want to know what beauty is, that that's who we 
look mm-hmm. to. This has been such a a life giving <laughs> and fascinating uh, conversation, Mako and Hagen. Thank you so much. Tell me before you go. Tell us what what are you focused on at the moment? What are you working mm-hmm. on? And how can we keep track of what you're up to? Absolutely. Um, we are working on a book together on beauty and justice, and uh, we just signed a contract to do that. And I'm working on my second book after the uh, Art and Faith book uh, with Yale Press. Uh, my my new book will address more of the process of um, how I think uh, as an artist um, and how I can uh, see the light, uh, prismatic light, um, and and to be able to usher that into the world. And um, we are just uh, about to head to California, where uh, I'm opening an exhibit, a Pepperdine Wiseman Museum there. Um, uh, so several mu- several museum shows are happening, and so, <clears throat> but every time I uh, my goal uh, these uh, exhibits is to bring beauty and justice together. So we will be speaking together at at Pepperdine um, on this very issue um, that we we were discussing. And you can follow us on Instagram and uh, Marco is I think active on Twitter or X um, for any upcoming events. Yeah, and Embers, of course. And Embers International, of course. Um, uh, You can follow Embers on social media and uh, see what's happening. Well, that's brilliant. We will make sure that we include a link to all of those things. Um, We're so grateful for your time uh, with us. Thank you so much for the conversation. Um, I have certainly been really challenged, but also encouraged. And um, also, I think, perhaps in a way that I didn't completely expect, have been uh, prompted, provoked to think about how I might contribute to creating a more beautiful and just world where I am in the in the the opportunities as well as in a sense the limits of that um, recognizing that all of us are um, able to do our part um, as part of this big project uh, that we describe this uh, the reconciliation and renewal of all things which is a big project to be involved with um, we um, have really enjoyed our time together thank you so much to you both yeah thank you thank you. Thank you so much. And if you have enjoyed this episode of The Whole Life, we'd love you to subscribe. We'd love you to leave a review and tell all your friends about it. But until the next time, that was The Whole Life. Goodbye.